I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which aims to take you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass as well as the automotive and social media worlds. I'm your host Sam from that YouTube channel Seen Through Glass and alongside me it is of course Mr. Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. We're back. We we're, are back. And we're in the studio. And we're in the studio. This feels good doesn't it? This is this is, this is better. <laughs> so is better. we had a brief hiatus. Uh, some of you may have missed my main channel video where I went down to Gravelwood to catch up with Tony and explain why we sort of didn't upload any episodes for a good three or four weeks and mainly because we were just trying to get our businesses back up and running weren't we we were what's hiatus mean break oh yeah I think an enforced break I don't know what the difference between hiatus and break is but sounds fancy because I didn't know what that meant and probably quite a few people didn't so I thought no I think just you oh (laughs) (laughs) most other people went to school Tony But yes, we, we've both been uh, getting things back up and running now that coronavirus restrictions or lockdown restrictions have been eased. Uh, we've been getting back to work. And, and as much as we love this podcast, Tony reminds me every single week that it makes us no money. Uh, so therefore, Can we it, hasn't been, yeah, it hasn't been a priority. Well, and also, yes, if you want to help us, maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe we should set up a Patreon for this podcast. You know what that is? No. I've been watching, there's a channel that I've fallen in love with during lockdown called Sailing the Vagabond. Really cool, two, a young couple, Australian, with a kid, and they sail the world. And they are funded by their audience. So it's a patron, and you sign up, and a bit like with Drive the World, if you give £5 per episode, you get a mug. If you give £10 per episode, you get a mug and a poster. Oh, okay, if you give yeah. £50, you can come on the show, whatever it might be. Maybe that's a good way. Okay, let us know below... This is a question for all of you. Would you be prepared? Would you like to get on board with a patron for Behind the Glass to support us? Yeah, we don't want to be a beg or nothing because we enjoy doing this, but it's not even for us. It's just so we can step up what we're doing, essentially. Well, that's exactly it. I think it it gives us more motivation to to make more episodes for sure. more regularly increase the production value um and various elements so yeah if you if you're willing to support it we might look into doing that but for now as you say we we just love it we, we do like it. it yeah but we just you know whilst whilst we uh, had to get our business back up and running it took a, sl- a slight back seat absolutely yeah but we're now back 
We're here. <laughs> so if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to hit subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes, because I promise future episodes are coming. Uh, and if you're listening to us only, thank you so much for tuning in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might be listening. Tony, what's been happening? What's been happening since, since I came down and visited the dealership? Has, has your week continued to be mental? Yeah, yeah. We haven't stopped, mate. Like, honestly, it's not just me. It's the whole motor trades, the old motor industry is just like so busy. I can't remember the last time we was this busy. The thing is, it's all inflated because we've been so quiet for three months. It, it, it's obviously there's been a build up in demand. So, um, yeah, it's odd really how things go around because um, I'm now I'm now paying as much or more money for cars than what I was in January or February <laughs> than, than what I, and, I, and we can't get stock. Like, That's the thing I keep hearing. There's like, honestly, mate, used car stock is so hard to find nice cars anyway. Sure. I mean, you buy whatever you like, but yeah, what, what fits your dealership, but everyone's having the same problem. So, which means used car prices will strengthen because there's no new cars, uh, which is what I said three months ago. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I did say this, guys. Hey, it's really, um, it's really helping uh, inflate your ego. This <laughs> situation. No, it's just my job. It's I mean, I, job. I mean, I know. No, to be fair, you did call this, and and it, you know, as you say, it's across the board. All the dealers sure. that I've been speaking to or visiting over the last few weeks have been selling cars like hotcakes. I mean, you know, cars are. Uh, flying out of the door, uh, but people are struggling to replenish stock. And of course, the bigger question or the bigger issue, I suppose, is new cars, because there's still a big question mark over factories and when new cars might be able to get delivered. So everyone is kind of turning to used stock. So there is going to be a shift in the market in that sense, I suppose, until factories can start pumping out cars regularly again. The the problem we're going to have now, which is another prediction of mine. Oh, here we go. Um, well, we should have a that, do not touch them buttons. <laughs> I was so nearly going to push one of my sound effect buttons, but I haven't programmed the Tony's future predictions button yet. Uh, no, because I think what's going to happen now, obviously the the bad bit's still to come, if I'm honest. I, I think that probably used cars later on in the year, once all the dealers catch up, once all the manufacturers catch up again, they start pumping cars out. I think the problem we're going to have is obviously there's no point hiding the fact we are or about to go into recession. So um, later on in the year, uh, there, there's going to there's be some hard times coming. Yeah. The only thing is, is from what I've learned from other recessions is that normally used cars are okay. Um, in the last recession, they strengthened up because people stopped buying new cars. And what people always think, oh, um, Oh, when there's a recession, no one buys anything. No one buys houses. People have got to live somewhere. Yeah. People have got to eat. And people still buy cars, mate. Yeah. Whether it's just what they buy. Yeah. It's not a thing that everything crashes. There's three real big industries in this country. The housing market, the car market, because they're your two biggest purchases in life. And you need them both, really. And then there's the want factor which is why we have all these lovely cars because there's there's two different markets. There's a there's a need which you go and buy a Nissan Qashqai or a Tiguan or something like that because you just need a car. And then there's a want and an impulse, which is where you get sports and supercars and stuff. And that's what people go to work for. That doesn't go away. That's not that. That will always be there. But 
Would you? Would it be right? Let's say deep dark recessions. The the values of those d- does deplenish on the super sports car stuff because are people firstly trying to get out of them if they're in a spot of trouble. So I've got a four eight eight. I bought for one hundred seventy five grand in January. My life's gone to shit. I need to get rid of it. Fine, I'll take one hundred fifty. So that's immediately deplenished in value. And then I suppose buyers are a little bit more savvy to the fact that the world's in a tough place, so they can try and. Is that right? That the higher end stuff does take a bit more of a hit. For sure. But but the higher end stuff has, has been not good for about 18 months, mate. Yeah, yeah I know you've been saying this. But that's not because of the the fact that it's high end. It's because there's too much of it. That's the problem. Sure. So if you if, if everything's supply and demand in this country, that's why house prices in London are a fortune. Because <laughs> Tell I'm me not, about it. <laughs> I'm not sure after this, but... but but in general, everyone wants to live in London, so mm. house prices are expensive. Cars are no different. It's supply and demand. So if you've got a lot of something and not a lot of people that want to buy it, prices go down. Supercars are, are, are a big example of that. Now, as you go down the market, and, and I've done some interesting polls on Twitter and, and Instagram recently about the the way that people think and buy cars. And honestly, the biggest market in the country is... 50 grand down. Mm-hmm. We kind of knew well, yeah, that. Yeah, I'm we very kinda, aware of that. We kind of knew that. It's also some, where some of the most fun cars lie, I find. For sure. Yeah. And and most of them people finance them cars. It's a monthly payment. It's a monthly payment. As long as you've got a half decent job and you're safe, you know, you're not asking someone to part with two or three grand a month, which is what a supercar is. You're asking someone to part with 400 pound a month. Now, the thing is as well, what people don't understand is that you have to have a car. So what? Okay, go on. So you have a car, so you just choose at your price point whether you need a car, you spend £200 a month, sure. or you buy a car that you want sure. and you, you, you spend £400 a month. So that market will always be okay. So it, it, the supercar market, I feel, will change further because you're right, people will be selling cars um because their, their their businesses are in trouble or or for, they've lost their job and but, people but, will need to get out of things quickly. Correct, but that that market has not just become bad now, mate. That 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 supercar market has been so competitive and saturated for eighteen months, definitely a year, but eighteen months, I think. Yeah, we've talked about it quite a few times actually this year on the podcast. The fact that nowadays you know, cars don't have that sort of hyperinflation moment of coming out and getting 30, 40, 50 grand over list. Uh, instead, we're actually seeing things like 720Ss and uh, 488s and stuff like that suffering big hits of depreciation pretty quickly, which I guess is how it used to be 10 or 15 years ago. You know, that was always the joke, wasn't it? You'd buy a Ferrari, drive it off the forecourt and lose 50 grand. And there was that weird bubble where instead you drive it off the forecourt and you gained 100 grand. Um, but, but that has been changing. I think just to pick up on one point, there is that I think you're right there is that that need or that necessity for a car today and especially you know given the fact that people I think are trying to avoid public transport and sort of be able to isolate and look after themselves in a, in a safe and healthy way but to sort of flip that I think firstly if you live in a major city I think there is a big motivation to not have a car cost uh, practicality I think the fact that councils and governments are trying to push towards you know, e-mobility or autonomous vehicles, all of these different segments where I think our generations below us, if you're 15 now, 12, 13, 14, 15 now, I don't think you 
desire a car as much. Petroheads, sure. But I'm talking about mass population. I think people are like, no, screw it. I can just take a e-scooter or, you know, jump on the bus, the train. So I think that's changing. And then I think secondly, again, I think the industry over the next five to 10 years will make a shift where the ownership of a car won't be such a necessity. I think there's going to be all these different schemes, you know, different uh, leasing or loans or clubs where you can pay two grand a month and chop and change cars, or you can walk down the street like Zipcar here in London, where you can sign up to a membership and then you can walk down the street, unlock a car, use it for a couple of hours and dump it back. I think that is going to become more and more common for the everyday person, not the petrolhead enthusiast, but for the everyday person. Um, However, my big thinking is, for that to still it will succeed, those cars do still need it to exist. Like, people are not going to stop driving. I just think ownerships of cars, how we own cars might change. So, so you know, it's going to be interesting to see, but, but right now, for sure, there is still a necessity for a car for most households. Um, and somebody made a good point to me the other day, which kind of goes along with what you were saying, is that Ages ago, someone told me in a family, women make the car buying decision. Hence why SUVs took a big boom. Because traditionally, women like a bigger car because it feels safer, it's more practical, easier to load the kids in, etc., etc. But then somebody else mentioned that when it's the man making the decision, it's all about how you look in a car or how that car makes you look. Makes hence, you feel. Exactly. Hence AMG line, M line, you know, all of these cars, which... S line. S line, thank you. Um, which... <laughs> That's why you're on the podcast, Tony, because I couldn't remember Audi's range. You meant M Sport and you said M Line. There we go, whatever. (laughs) Same beep, different bucket. Um, But yes, essentially making people appear and seem cooler, more more rich, you know, all these different richer um, ways with actually not having to spend the money. And I think it's an interesting point. Um, And so, yeah, it's... It's an interesting time in the market. I think it's a very interesting time in the market and we are going to see shifts over the years to come. But but over the next 18 months or so, um, let's wait and see. I think you're right that sub 50k cars are going to still keep changing hands. The car, the car market, just because of recessions, just like the house market, it just as an adjustment, it doesn't stop. Yeah, it's not yeah, that they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're two or three of the biggest markets in the country. They, they, they make our economy that, you know, like stuff that might suffer, for example, expensive restaurants. Yeah. That might suffer but potentially. But that, but that, I don't think that's because of the recession. That will be because of this virus. Well, yes. I mean, bigger, wider conversation, I suppose, but I'm just yeah. talking about what does get affected in the recession. Of course. You know, the, you say that there's, there's, Parts of the car market which which go into that necessity segment, um, you know, it's definitely the lower end. Um, but then, you know, the the luxury items are what usually get hit, like you know, expensive meals or big holidays and things like that. Anyway, we got very sort of deep there, didn't I we? I don't even know what we were we talking know. about today, but we, I mean, we're about six minutes in or seven Mate, minutes. Mate, we're 15 in. minutes in. Are we? Yeah, we've really gone really hardcore on the sort of, you know. Welcome um, back. Hello. <laughs> are we a fun, entertaining podcast, bringing you nice, lighthearted relief whenever you're listening to us? Well, look, let's move on from the quite dark and depressing chat that we just had uh, to some more uplifting, hopefully, topics, because there have been a lot of car news recently, and there is a lot to discuss. Um, first of all, I had a go last week in a Taycan. Did you? Yeah. Now, some may remember that earlier in the year, I did have a go in a Taycan uh, in Geneva. It was a 4S, drove it during a sort of photo shoot. Uh, But this was a chance to get into a Taycan Turbo, not a Turbo S, but a Turbo, uh, on UK roads. 
that car is so good. Yeah, but what? But why would we expect any different? No, I, this is the <laughs> thing. I mean, but, but because it's still a bit of an unknown. Okay, yes, it is Porsche, but it's electric and it's electric Porsche, and they could have got it wrong. I mean, yeah. they weren't going to, but no. they, but, <laughs> they could have. <laughs> yeah, I would have one in a heartbeat if I had a driveway that I could charge it on. Yeah. Now I I saw one on the road for the first time the other day. What color? Black. Okay. Um. And I thought to myself, what's that noise? And it was the Taycan. Yeah, I mean, it makes a noise. It makes a... <laughs> it ma- and also quite a fun, exciting noise. Yeah. Like, I love it. I get really hooked on the whole noise element. And when you're driving fast, it, it for some reason fades away. But around town, it's amazing. Yeah. And it gives the car real presence. And I say, it's great to drive, really nice. And it's, it's a right size because... Essentially, it's an alternative to the Panamera, right? You know, it's a four-seater Porsche. But it's a lot smaller and more compact, so it feels more like a three-series. I don't actually know the actual dimensions compared to a three-series or five-series. It's probably five-series. Maybe it's more five-series. But it feels really nice and shrunk around you and solid and manoeuvrable. But yeah, that's my my issue, is I wouldn't be able to live with one right now, um, which is the frustration. It is expensive, but you know... A Panamera is expensive. For sure. And an M5 is expensive. Correct. And, you know, that's kind of where it's yeah, know, yeah, rivaling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's in its own sort of market. How much are Tesla Model S's? They're 100 on, aren't they, for the proper performance yeah, one? Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be similar money. But, I mean, I mean, in your right mind, why would oh. you buy one of them over the Porsche? It's I not, still... Do you remember ages ago we did a video on the Model X? Yeah, we did, yeah. Oh. I mean, apart from the fact we nearly died and someone <laughs> drove us off the back of a cliff nearly. But... But yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't very kind about that no. car. You tried to convince me, and in the end, you get actually you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was trying to be like you know pro EV, like yeah, I, I don't want to yeah, be yeah. like you know have my own opinion. But fundamentally, I thought it was just not good. Like I just not good. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I still think that. And you know, obviously Tesla had the the march on everyone. In fact, they got the sort of step ahead, and they were the first, and blah blah blah. But now with people like Porsche and Mercedes, Audi catching up. Oh, why would you go to Tesla now? Well, he's rung the bell that Elon Musk as in what what he's going to do is Tesla will go belly up in a minute and he will literally just sell batteries. Yeah, and infrastructure. And infrastructure. Fantastic. Well done. Unbelievable. Genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and he's the proved cars, the point yeah. as well. But yeah. the cars themselves, uh, I just, I've never really been a big fan of. No. Um, but yeah, super cool, super, uh, super nice experience. Um, now, moving on to that, from that to some wider news, uh, a couple of topics here. Corvette. The okay. American brand. Hello. Okay. Chevrolet Corvette, right up your street. But, but no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, they're just going a straight line. And they're not well, even that fast. Well, hold on a sec, though, because this is the new mid-engined C8 Corvette. It's coming to the UK. So this Euro- is the European designed? I don't know. But it still won't go around corners. No. <laughs> it's mid-engined. It's going to have good handling. It's, okay. a, it's supposed to be a Ferrari arrival. Oh, God. <laughs> it's 6.2 litre V8. Good. 500-odd horsepower, 500-and-something newton-metres of torque. So, you know, not stupid numbers. Yeah, yeah. Big hunking V8. Good. What do you think it's going to cost here in the UK? Well, I, I mean, in America, they're pennies normally. Yeah, that's the thing about them. They're super affordable in the US. They are, yeah. Um, 80 grand. Oh, my God. You're quite good at your job. <laughs> 80 grand. 81 grand. <laughs> Oh, it shouldn't knock you so much so often. No, you shouldn't, no. What do you think about that? Uh, I haven't got any thoughts. I didn't even know it was coming. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So, so it's essentially a grand less than your entry-level 992 
Porsche. Buy the Porsche. It, <laughs> substantially less than an AMG GT. Buy the Merc. <laughs> and, and, well, I don't want to go into Vantage, but yeah. Buy the Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I think it's an interesting proposition. I think the car, I still think, looks a bit fugly. But obviously, we know Archie Hamilton had a Corvette at one point. <laughs> we, do, yeah. we do. Which is why they haven't sold anymore. <laughs> Didn't go so well. Um, but I think they're kind of cool cars. And, and I think to have that huge hunking V8 and it's something different, something alternative, I still think that's quite good money. I mean, it's a lot of money, but I still think that's quite good. That market, though, mate, is so saturated. And the problem is, is that <laughs> Paul should have sewn it up, as in, why would you buy anything else? That's well, but would you have, because that's, isn't the C8 better, not better, but. It's a different proposition to a 911. It, it is, but but if you want an everyday sports car, it's like like Alpine. They tried to buy a tried to build a sports car to compete with the Cayman. I mean, they're about to go out of business. No, well, yeah, but I disagree. I don't think they. I mean, they did build a sports car which competed with Cayman, but I think it was a very different prospect. It was a super lightweight, harking back to an old school time and era. And yes, it competed with Cayman because that's where that was what most was obvious at price point, for sure. set up and things. Yeah, yeah. I think the CA, you can't compare it with a 992 on AMG GT, et cetera, because it's basically a baby supercar. At 81 grand, you're getting supercar looks, supercar-ish performance. Okay, maybe not that much supercar performance, but it's different. It's alternative. People are going to go, oh, wow, what's that? It's going to sound like, and I therefore think it's a bit of a steal at 81 grand. Yeah, but, but it's got to be. As well, because as well, okay, take the nine eleven out of it then, and let's put it up against an R eight, what we'd call affordable supercars, five seventy S R eight. Yeah, you'd still, I don't know about the McLaren, but you'd still buy the R eight. <laughs> yeah, over so hard. I'd take the McLaren still. Really, out of those three, I, I would. I mean, I'd probably rather get a bus pass. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, I'd have the R eight. I'd have the R eight. Oh, hold on a second. I'd have the R eight. You had both. 570S and R8 in your R8. No, come on. At one point, prior to us really falling out with McLaren, you <laughs> loved that car. In fact, we both took our cars to Scotland and proclaimed that they were both the best cars on that trip. On that, at that point. Yeah. Sure. But, but that was the only real time that I, I, I only got the McLaren when you were absolutely on it. And, and your air was on fire. I mean, we haven't got any hair no. now, but, but uh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was the only time you got it. Like, but but the R8's a better car, mate. See, I would still have 570S over R8. A V10 Plus? Yeah, if, no, if, if, if push came to shove, I'd still pick 570S. No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't, no, would you? Absolutely not. And we could have 600LT for the same money, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> or less. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Um, but I, I'm intrigued by the C8 Corvette. I definitely want to have a go in one when they turn up. And I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's well-priced in the sense that you're right. They needed to have a reason why you would buy it over an R8, a 570S, um, which is good, I think. And, and, and that's the right choice. And I think people will go out and buy it at that money because it's different and because it's alternative. I still think they'll struggle to sell it in general, though. Because I think, like me, most people will go, oh, it's a bit plasticky and a bit weird. And they won't in America, which is the market for. I mean, they'll sell oh, they fly. millions. Yeah, obviously, I think every YouTuber in the world's got a C8 Corvette in America. Of course, yeah. but but in, in I mean, there's there's so many. We have a different taste in cars, don't we? In, For in, sure. In our country, in, in Europe, 
different so, desires, different sure. wants and needs from yeah, cars. And yeah. I don't think the C8 will necessarily take it. But let's hold judgment. Hopefully, uh, I'll get to have a go in one uh, once they arrive here on UK Shores. Right-hand drive, by the way. That's not just going to be a left-hand drive import. There's oh, that's gonna be good. A, yeah, full right-hand drive car uh, coming on, which I think is which is good. Now, coming back to sort of European cars, uh, last couple of weeks, we've seen interesting facelifts or new versions for both the E63 and the M5. Um, both, I guess, due a bit of an upgrade, but probably because RS6 has come along, right? They sort of felt, oh, we need to... Well, I think they're taking the piss, me. Really? Honestly, mate, especially the M5. I mean, the M5 competition only came out last year. I know, <laughs> they've literally given it new headlights. I mean, <laughs> and they give it new headlights and give it the same screens as the M8. Yeah, I have to I say, mean, the M5 one, I agree. Piss. But I feel like they did that, as I say, because Merck were coming with E63, Audi had RS6, they're like, oh, we probably need to update this. And one car that really didn't need an update... But this is a BMW thing, I think, at the moment. Did you not see X6 came out with some new rear tail lights? They're like, it's a whole new car. Uh, yeah, yeah. B- to be fair to BMW, they're doing their back. Oh, I'm they loving BMW at the BMW. moment. BMW. As an entire brand, I am all over the BMW. Yeah, vibe. and do you know what? Out, out of the out of the free cars, and I'm in a new RS6 at the moment, by the way. Uh, You're in one today. Yeah, yeah. I'm no in way. One yeah, yeah. <gasps> just, just just one's coming to stock. So I want to look at that. Um, I would have the M5 out the three, out the Merc, the yes. RS6, and I'd have the M5. The, the M5, I think, is the best car, mate. I would agree. I, I drove one in Bulgaria last year for a few days and thought it was unbelievable. In if the they sense, done an estate of that. Oh, my God, if they'd done an estate of that. I yeah. would have robbed a bank. Yeah. Because it's five different cars in one. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And then you've got all of this new tech. And that's the thing for me, BMW are killing it at the moment with a car to live with. Yeah. Usability factor, technology, safety. I like the design of K4 series aside. And we did touch on that briefly when I came to see you we'll get for the main that. channel video. But yeah, you know what? The M Sport cars aren't looking so bad on the we'll new 4 series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just in general, I think Audi seem to have slightly softened off a bit they were super hot a few years ago and i feel like things have just cooled off that rs6 does catch my eye i've seen a few of them around town and i do go oh because it's huge it's huge and it's, it's really menacing huge and so menacing but i get the impression it's a little bit boring to drive yeah so so it is you're bang on it's yeah. very boring to drive it's very numb the it looks the best of the three because the e63 and the the m5 Unless you look hard, hard they, to look, tell. they look like E-Classes and 5 Series. Yeah. Could so be your look, Uber. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, they're 100 grand cars, you know, and same, they're all the same money, by the way. They're all similar money list. Um, but but the the best car to drive and I think to be in is definitely the M5. Yeah. Well, yeah. So RS6, you know, a bit soft. And then uh, when we go to the E63... Uh, obviously, I haven't driven one for a while, but I did drive the wagon, the old E63. They do an S, don't they? Am I going mad? Yeah, Correct. E63 yes, S wagon. Um, and again, it was big, and and it was sort of it was sort of funny, as in it was so aggressive, quite harsh on the ride, super loud, just like bullet train, but not necessarily a car I wanted to live with every day. Yeah, it, I, I still hate the Mercedes infotainment system because the rush was a hard, that ride was a bit harsh, and it's a bit of a shouty AMG car was to come back and hark on about BMW. That's why the M5 is so great, is you can just dial it all out and be a minicab. Yeah. Or turn up 10 and destroy most supercars that you come across on the yeah. road. So so it's winner, winner, chicken dinner. Um, the only thing, as you mentioned, is that of all of them, the M5 is the only one you can't get in an estate. RS6 estate only. 
Uh, and then E63, I'm assuming there's going to be a wagon facelift as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 of yeah. course. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely that'll be a super intriguing head-to-head just to see all three of them together. Um, you know as well, you know, um, if you if you look at trends with Audi, BMW, Mercedes, what, what tends to happen is they all have runs. Yeah. So... Audi had a run a few years ago where everyone went out and bought Audis because You're they right. were absolutely killing it. Interiors, the, everything looks amazing. Every single car went, looked identical. Correct. And then it went, then it went Mercedes with all them new interiors, all the new A classes and the yeah. E63s. You're and, so right. And now it's BMW's. You're turn. so true. That's what happens. And it, mate, that's and it's going to be Alfa Romeo forever. next. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I tried my best there. You never know. Come on, Alpha. No, no we do know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <okay. laughs> it does just seem to revolve between those three. three yeah. And there was a time when Volvo kind of put their head in the mix. But again, I think people... The, the thing with Volvo, which I love, is that about five years ago when they got their new design language and everything looked amazing, everyone was like, oh my God, Volvo, where have you come from? But but now it's fallen behind a bit because they haven't stepped it up again. Um, but yeah, so anyway. Good brand though, Volvo, you know. Great brand, great, great cars. XC40, lo- yeah. what a whip. Yeah. Oh, Very loyal customers. They... they when you buy a Volvo, it's all you ever buy yeah, after Yeah, that's then. it. You're done. Yeah. And yeah. I think it says a lot about who you are if you've got a Volvo. For sure. You know, you yeah. want quality. Yeah. You want practicality. You want safety. Yeah. Don't want a lot of show, but you want something nice. Yeah. This is very Swedish. Um, uh, what, what specs your RS6 that you're in? Launch edition. What's the, what does that mean? <sighs> I, I don't so work. The, I don't work in the car business. So they, I don't know so, what I'm about. so they do. A, they do a base launch. No, but what spe- What color is it? Oh, sorry, it's black with black. Okay, <laughs> with a roof with twenty twos and all the bits and pieces on it. Sports. Unless you sell it quickly, can I come have a drive? You can. Is yeah. it very low mileage? Uh, uh, mm. Yeah, and that's the problem. Okay, okay, I'll leave it. I'll leave it because uh, I, I only want to have a go one if I can have a go one. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. We'll leave it. Anyway, well, if you're looking for an RS6 on low mileage, launch edition, Tony's got one. Um, but I just intrigued because because there was so much hype, internet hype around old generation RS6. And I think there is still today, if you post on Instagram an old RS6 in a nice spec, well, people go nuts. Yeah. The new one, I think people were like, ooh, and it does look cool, but it just seems to have just been a bit quiet. Like, you know, there's not a lot of... God, I really want a new RS6. And even yeah. the reviews, everyone's a bit like, eh. But they're, mate, they're, they're, there's none of them around. And, Good point. and they're still, I mean, the one that we're going to put up for sale will be nearly list. Okay. Like, that, they haven't dropped any money, really. Fair. They're kind of, because there's none around. Sure. And, and I think the, the, the problem I do have with them, well, the problem I have with all of them, actually, is that they're a hundred grand. Yeah. I mean, they're a lot of money. They're a lot of money, but but so many cars are a lot. Like that, that's just sure. the market, right? That's, you that's know, cars. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's, the, that's yeah. cars. That's where we kind of get to. And actually, something which wasn't on my list today, but I want to come on to very quickly, which we haven't spoken about, is Roma. Because I went, to, yeah, I oh. went to see Ferrari Roma, didn't I? A few weeks ago, did you love did. it. Talking about cars that you know priced for the market, etc. Um, oh my god, I fell in love. Now we've spoken about this car quite a few times on this podcast, and neither of us have been that nice about it. But wow, in the flesh! Are you gonna get one? I genuinely. No. <laughs> really? oh, since oh I god. saw it, I've been thinking maybe this is my go big or go home moment. Maybe this is what I've been getting wrong on YouTube because the thing that if I'm critical about my channel. Don't turn his grimacing so much. If I really critical about what I do, is that I never bought into that buying cars for YouTube. Like if you look at all my, I wouldn't call them competitors, but colleagues. colleagues. Thank you. They've always bought cars because they're going to do well on the channel. You know, they really analyze what cars they're going to buy that are going to 
you know, get views. Well, I've just gone out and bought the cars I want and then hopefully people are interested in the storyline. But maybe that's where I, I fell down a bit and maybe I should have just sucked it up and bought an RS6. I don't think you fell down now, mate. What? If I, I don't think you fell down now. I think you've made the right decision overall, <laughs> if I'm honest. Well, I think some of your colleagues are in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But Roma, I was like, it's going to be 20, 25 grand deposit now. It's probably going to be like two, two grand-ish a month. It's a ton of money. And I think I'd have to probably get rid of the Ferrari. Which I Thank I, that, God! No! <laughs> I hate you so much. At which point I then think it's not worth it. Because that for me, that's a keeper for life car. Okay, fine. And at which point for a Roma, which I'm going to buy at 200 and something grand, just for YouTube views, which uh, is then going to lose me a ton of money. Like, it just doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, it's not a business, mate. So it's not a thing. Yeah. if over the next two years, my business starts to perform well... <laughs> eventually, finally. Uh, I do really want one. I genuinely really want one when they're 165 grand. Well, that won't be long. I think they'll be 165 grand when they come out. Because if you look at Portofino track records, they're never really much over list, if anything, are they? They just kind of come out and start to slowly drop. Uh, uh, Over list is not a thing anymore, mate. Cars are in not, general, it, cars are not going to fetch over list anymore. It's gone. That's finished. There's too many cars. Okay. And, 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 People that think that the supercar market is going to come back and they're going to go back up again, no, That's it's not. It. It's, it's gone. It's finished. It's too many. Okay, so two cars that I want to touch on there to sort of pick apart your point. Um, I'm sort of teasing some content that I don't really want to tease yet, but uh, as we spoke about, I drove a four five eight recently. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Good. Uh, thank you. Uh, and I sent you Again. a voice note because I was asking about sort of values because the car I was driving, I was surprised, was 150 grand. And I was like, how are 458 still so strong? Like, we think all know Paul Wallace's story when he went cheap supercar shopping in Dubai and picked up a 458 for ludicrously low money. I assumed 458s were 100 and 110 grand by now. But 
checking on AutoTrader and speaking to you. No, they're still quite strong. And at the dealership I visited to drive that car, they also had a GT3 RS 991.1. So not the most recent version. And that was like 160 grand. And I checked online and they're still really strong. So those are two cars, which I would have expected, especially the 458, to have dropped off quite a lot more. And even the GT3 RS, there's a newer version. So why are they still so strong? Two cars which kind of buck the trend in, in terms of what you're saying. Well, the 458, more than the GT3 RS, if I'm honest, because the four, the 458 is an old car, mate. 10 years old? It, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's 10 years old. It's, it's an old car. No, it's a Ferrari. Um, the, 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 the GT3 RS is the money they are because I think they're too cheap at list. So the, when the market dictates the value. So they are the money they are because they are just too cheap, full stop. So are they a good bet then? Uh, I, I, th- I, I think if you can get a Gen 1 GT3 RS at 140, 150, can I sit here and say you won't lose any money? No, I, I still think you'll lose some money. But, but buying a GT3 RS... I think your your money's as safe in one of them as it is in anything else, mate. I think if you look at the market in general, that's one of the safest bets you can have, like yeah. like across the board. Or t- I'll tell you another one, a 2RS. Well, if of you, course. We're going to come back to that because that's, that's our grand topic for the day, by the way. Uh, oh, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I cannot <laughs> wait for this. So we'll come back to We're that. We're going to come back to that. Let's stick with 3RS for a second because, you know... If you bought a Gen 1 GT3 RS 991, how, well, how many at years least, ago? Five years ago now? So at least if you bought one five years ago, they were about spec'd. They were about 150. 150. So you you've probably... It, you get your money back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, there's not many other cars right now that you could do that with. But, but theoretically, 458 and 3 RS. So go on. I interrupted you. You were on a flow about 458. So yeah, four... <laughs> I, I, I honestly think they're too expensive, personally. Mm. And, and I think if, if, if they've, they had a little bit of an adjustment and then they kind of stabled again. But as time goes on, I think they are going to... Because they are 10 years old, mate, and it's 150 grand. I mean, I know that the 488's turbocharged, but, I mean, get a 488. But the 458 is still... Such a good car. Like it was a fundamentally, game changer, it, it was a game changer, yeah. but it is still a very, very good car. It's all the supercar performance you need. It is like 500 odd horsepower it on is, the road, yeah. like mid engine. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think people buy into the last naturally aspirated aspect. So people want that. They want a shouty, naturally aspirated Ferrari. Obviously, the service pack helped. You know, the, some of the later cars, I guess that, you know. From a 2011, every Ferrari come with a seven-year service pack. There we go. So that helps with the sort of reassurance. It's usable, blah, 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 blah. Um, and 488 and especially F8 haven't done, or have done the 458 a favour because they've never been looked that favourably on. And I think, you know, media, journalists, even us, well, not us, but, you know, YouTube, have been to blame for that because... Everyone downplayed the 488. We know that that's a better car in every single way. But most people went, oh, it sounds a bit crap. And oh, it's, you know, uh, it's not as exciting. You know, 458 is better. So I think people are still going out there, looking at the market and going, I want a 458, not a 488. Because 
actually, coupes now, they're kind of the same money. There's not a lot in them. And, and do you know what? The the 48 still revs to 8,000 revs, mate. Oh, and, and I think it still sounds brilliant. Char- yeah, for a turbocharged car, it is turbocharged and you ain't going to have that bark. But let's, let's be honest here as well, being that I've owned both cars, 458, 458 Speciali and... 488. 10 488s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think 15 maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think the 488 sounds that good. It's, it's just a no, loud... No, 458. Sorry, the 458 doesn't sound that good. Agreed. It's just a loud bark. Yeah. The, the Scud and your, even your yep. car sounds much better even than Even my car. F you. No, I didn't mean that. <laughs> even even your but piece of crap. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, everyone's... Yeah. One man's junk's another man's junk. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it sounds really... Like the CS yes. and that. And even the normal 360. Of course. That they've, they've got a really nice tone to them. The, the 458 is just a bark. I literally annoying. had this conversation with a guy in the supermarket two days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, random guy comes up to me, owns an F12. If you're listening, mate, you got a beautiful car. Um, but yeah, and we were having this conversation that 458, it's not the greatest sounding Ferrari. You can make it sound great with an aftermarket exhaust, but from factory, it is just a bit shouty with a, not a lot of tone. And when I did Speciale versus Pista, I'd spent three days in a Pista, got in the Speciale, hoping and assuming it was going to be this absolute symphonic audio experience. And I was a bit like, oh, is that it? Like... Because Pista sounds bloody brilliant as it well. Does, like yeah. it's this different, but I think because so many people made a an issue about it and downplayed it, and people thought the four eight eight was just a lazy update of the four five eight, and then F eight again is a sort of lazy update of the four eight eight. People are still going, oh, I'd love a four five eight, and it's kept those values high. And I would be nervous if I was buying a four five eight. At 150 grand. Me too. Because I think maybe at some point the world will wake up and they'll suddenly drop. I would be nervous. But if you look at history of those cars, they just haven't. You said there was a price correction over the last couple of years from sort of 180 to 150. Still not the end of the world. But maybe that's just it. Maybe they're just always going to be a good bet. And maybe maybe they have found their level. Maybe, you know, you'd think after 10 years they probably have. But... I wouldn't go out, maybe because I've already had one, I wouldn't go out knowing now what's available on the market that you can buy that's so much better than a 458. I know that, listen, the engines are bulletproof, the gearbox, and that's probably another thing as well. They don't go wrong, mate. The early ones did. They all caught fire, but yeah, they, they fixed but that they, pretty quickly. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah, <laughs> but But in terms of a, a, a product, as long as you keep them on trickle charge, You're batteries right. are a bit crap, but yeah. that's Ferraris in general. Like, they're very good, mate. You know, they don't go wrong. But I know what you're going to say, because we're going to answer in the same way. If you were going out to spend 150-odd grand and there was a 458 and a 488 parked next to each other, which one are you going to have? 488. Yeah, same. Every, every single day. day. It's a better car. And every single... And the thing I'd forgotten sitting in the 458, and I'm really, like, ruining my video because we're basically discussing everything I discussed <laughs> in my video. But anyway, hopefully you'll still tune into that. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's actually quite small, and for someone my height, four five eight is borderline a little bit too compact. Like I have to slightly lean down, unless I'm in the race carbon seats. I'm a little bit too high up in the car, and uh, well, four eight eight is just such a nice cabin and environment, and it feels nice to be in. And okay, yes, it's a little bit too much power. Does like to fucking you know spin up its wheels a bit too often, and that's a turbo thing, but. Yeah, I'd have 488 every day of the week. Of course. And that, and that, I mean, the 458 was probably, 
the first real full-on supercar that was an everyday supercar yes. from the Italians, essentially. Yes. So, obviously, you had the R8 and the Turbo S. and I mean, the Turbo S isn't really a supercar, no. really, but, but although it goes like one. Super sports car. Super sports car. But, yeah, the, the R8 showed us that, that a car can be, a supercar can be a mid-engined, yeah. high-performance car. And then this Ferrari come out that, that absolutely trust everything when you look at the 430 as redefined well. what a supercar could be redefined that's yeah. right and then when the 488 come out it just redefined it again but tweaked it and then they put turbochargers and made it even more usable mm-hmm. and probably because they'd done that made it less exciting for that reason i think the 48's biggest problem was actually the mclaren because I yeah. think McLaren had come along and McLaren was so exciting at that point, so new, so different, doing things so well. Uh, and when the 48 came along, everyone went, well, it's just a bit slower than what? A 650S it must have been at the time. Uh, yeah, that, they, yeah there was, they were similar. Yeah, I think people were like, what? Like Ferrari should have gone a step further. Like how have they bought out a car which isn't as good as the McLaren, which has already been out for a year or whatever. Yeah, but if you talk to Ferrari, they said, well, we'd, we'd just build a car. We're not, we're not competing. Well, yeah, and you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing because look at where the world's ended up and Correct. 488s versus 650s. Anyway, time to move on <laughs> to the main dis, uh, dis- discussion point of today's podcast, uh, which is something that Tony and I uh, found ourselves discussing a couple of weeks ago on WhatsApp. I'm getting rather heated about actually. And I think we have had many arguments in the past, but this was our most recent and, and possibly our strongest. Uh, <laughs> because I don't even know how we got onto it. But you we started. trying to wind me up, probably. I think I was trying uh, to wind you up. It doesn't work. We were discussing whether a Pista or a GT2 RS is better. And I just want to bring up, I've got a few, because at the time I was even sending you like screen grabs of like track lap times I and performance know, things. I know. So I want to try and bring all that up because I think it's going to be a, going to be useful ammunition. But of course- you're going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> as you would suspect, uh, Tony is on the side of uh, Porsche 911 GT2 RS uh, and I was on the side of Ferrari 488 Pista. And the point here being sort of between- what car would we like to have? But but actually, more importantly, which is the better car? Now, my argument is that Pista is better. It's faster around track. <laughs> it's more usable. It it's more subtle. <laughs> it, 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 it holds its money better, <laughs> and it's got the better badge. So therefore, it is the better car. I mean, this is, I cannot, every single one of them arguments or them pinpoints, I've got an argument for. Before you dispute this point, <laughs> Tony, why do you think the GT2 RS is a better car? Because it's just better engineered. It's, it's held its money loads better. It's, it's just, it's more, it is more usable than a Pista. In terms no, of it's, more, it's not. It's more practical. The cabin's no, more, it's not. The cabin's more simple. The, the, the oh, technology's more not. simple. No. Mate, the way okay. it puts its power down is right. easier to drive. Let's get into this point by point. Price-wise, values, talk to me. Uh, you know this off the top of your head, so I'm going to take your word for it. I'm not going to question you, but don't lie to me. So GT2 RS is what are you expected to pay today on the used market? For a free 4,000 mile, roughly GT2 RS, around 320, 330. And what retail. were they list? 
top 260. 260 list and around 330, 340. So you're nearly 100K in profit still, mid 300. And you've done four or 5,000 miles, essentially. Sure. But this is retail to retail, yeah, though. So this is of not course. trade. Because yeah, we're not being specific. Are... This is just vague overview. For sure, yeah. Pista. What would you pay today for an equivalent mileage, condition, etc. cetera, Pista? 300. Less. No. Yeah, yeah free, free, mate. Don't there, you? No, 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 no. Because I'm trusting you here. No, 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 no. There are delivery delivery mileage Pistas yeah. for sale yeah. at 299. No, there are not. Okay. Really? On Trader. Yes, mate. I do want to go on Autotrader. Um, that surprises me because what were they list? Do you remember? Actually, so, I think you know, don't you? Uh, of course I know. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so a a unspecced pista, yeah. as in before extras, was about 252 or 254 grand, roughly. Uh, but most people put 50 grand worth of extras on them, so they were 300 and a bit more. Okay. Some of the real high-spec ones were like 330, 340. So in a classic way... A Porsche, you're still getting a chance to make money because it's probably an undervalued product from list. Ferrari, you, you, you've you got a good chance of maybe breaking even, depending on if you've used it or not. There is a car for 299, but it's left-hand drive, so we're not counting it. The cheapest right-hand drive car is 309,000 with 2,000 miles on the clock. It's not. It is. I'm on Autotrader right now. Okay. L- lowest car, 299995, left-hand drive. It's a right-hand drive. There's more than one. The next car drive. is 309,000. <laughs> Stop shaking your head like you know better than me. I'm literally looking at the website right now. The cheapest car, There's, to be fair, there's a handful of cars under 310, um, all with quite low mileage. So I will admit they are slightly more affordable, but I'm now also going to look at what the cheapest two RS is, because I actually now don't trust you. Having, having, Wait, having... So I'm right. The, the, well, the 299 ones must have gone because they were there the other day. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> they were there the other day. Come on. Um, but fine. I will hand it to you that the two RSs arguably hold them. Well, not hold their money, but yeah, you're better off on a money side of things. The cheapest two RS is three hundred twenty-four thousand. Only if you've bought them both list, by the way. And even if you're buying them over list, you still buy the Porsche because the market dictates what they're worth after three years. And the Pista's only going to go down by what the market says. The Pista's only going to go down. The the GT two RS would you would think is probably stable because it's been out three years now. But I'm going to say years, I'm going to say with the Pista that's got the same problem that the four eight eight versus four five eight that we just discussed. So I think there is a bit of an image problem with Pista. So so that's what I'm going to say. So fine value I concede in top trumps you have got point number one. Okay, point number two you made. It's easier to live with. It's more practical. It's more usable. Totally disagree. And here's why. Firstly, <laughs> the GT two RS looks like you've driven through Halfords the wrong way. It is way too in your face, way too... That massive wing is stupid and ridiculous. You have a smaller, smaller front boot because it's got that stupid system, four-wheel drive, whatever, the front wheel, you know, the gearbox at the front. So you've got the smaller boot for the 911. And then it's not co- smaller. It is smaller. It is smaller. <laughs> if you get a GT3 RS and a GT2 RS front boot, GT2 RS is smaller. Okay. Trust. And it's definitely smaller than the Pistas. One million percent because the piece has got a huge front boot. Okay. Behind your bloody seats, you've got that stupid roll cage. 
So you can't really put anything back there. Okay, fine. You can't put anything behind your sticks in the pieces. Well, you can. Well, you can if you so, really shove it. But there's a boy. It's hard to reach through. Pieces, you've got that lovely shelf and then a lovely window showing you your engine. Okay. Also, Pista, it, it's a more compliant car on the road. It just is. Bumpy road mode. The suspension is a little bit softer, a little bit more compliant, therefore making it easier to use and live with. That is the truth. The 2RS is a track car. It is. It is a track car. But but it's not it's not as stiff as a 3RS. It's softer than a 3RS. Fine. 3RS is borderline unbearable. But, but, but I... I think you have to concede the Pista is a more usable car. As a man who's had 52 488s and one GT3 RS. But I've had lots of Porsches, mate. Fine, but you haven't had a GT2 RS. I've had a 2 RS, yeah. You know how usable the 488 is. You know how good a car it is to live with. You know what it's like to take on a trip. We're not talking about a 488. We're talking about Pista. Fine, but it's essentially the same car. And we're comparing it to a GT2 RS. (laughs) And I think if if we had a bag of... Um, cloves and, yeah. and um, suitcases and stuff. Yeah. You'd get more in a two RS than you would in a pista, boot and back. Fine. So it's more practical. Well, no. Well, you're yeah. saying you can fit more luggage in it. <laughs> you fit more luggage, so it's more practical. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to reach through. First, you've got those stupid fixed bucket seats, the most uncomfortable seats to get in and out of day to day ever. Ferrari carbon racing seats, you could fall asleep in there so comfortable. Another good plus point for the practicality. The, the Porsche seats are nice when you're in, they're just a pain in the ass getting in and out. But and once you're in, they're nice. If you're putting stuff behind the seats through the roll cage, to get to the back, to get your bags in and out, is horrific because you've got to negotiate those horrible fixed carbon seats that are going to break every single bone in your body. You've got to reach through a bloody scaffolding, pull the bag out, yank it through, bash your passenger on the head. The whole thing's a performance. You Tell your passenger to get out. <laughs> and, and, and as well, another thing, if you're, if you're really that bothered about luggage, buy the state car. No. We're talking about... No, talking- but practicality is one of the points on our top Trump's list. And Pista is I more think, practical. You I need know. to concede this point. I think they're the same. No, because I know what's going to happen here. You're going to get me to concede a couple and that's how you're going to win. Okay. I'm not having it. Can we call it evens? Will you accept evens? Evens. Okay, so one point each. You are now leading 2-1. Evens. Your next point was that the GT2 RS, the sort of layout, the button, the infotainment system was better or less cluttered. or So, so- much more less complicated. No. Porsches have so many buttons Uh, it's like it's like a Boeing 747 and this is coming from a man who owns one and likes one and prefers it to the new 992 but 991s there's buttons for everything everywhere all stripped out every single place you could imagine and when you're driving you've got to find a button for this and blah 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 blah. nightmare absolute nightmare whilst the Ferrari lovely Manatino driving mode's done Everything's on your steering wheel, indicators, bish, bash, bosh. Which is a pain in the ass. No. Why can't you just have a stalk? Why do you need anything else? At that point, you're done. You're driving, you're, you're set. You're okay, off. It's so not endless, but the... it's such a clean designed it's interior. It's not clean. It's so, there's nothing in it. <laughs> there's no way it's empty. Mate, you've got a stupid little screen there that you can't even see. Fair. And, 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 and you can't, you can't look at the sat-nav and listen to the radio because it's all wrong. And then, then you've got your, your Malantilo stuff here that doesn't make any sense at all. It's crap. No, And then it's you've got not. a camera that you've got a, a rear camera 
that even me with glasses, I can't see it. But this is the charm of the car. This is the charm of it. And it's simple. We're not talking about charm. You've just slated the way the GT2 RS looks it's sim- in practicality. It's simplified. It's a simplified interior. You said... It's fussy. No. The two RSs, but there's too much going on. There's too many on that huge centre console with all those buttons. There's on not this. all them buttons. There on it. are even the air conditioning system doesn't make sense. You've it's got stars on or off. You've got lovely <laughs> simple <laughs> dials on the booster. <laughs> I mean, mate, honestly, you if you listen to yourself, no. the air conditioning is on or off. If you saw a picture of the two, you would go that the I own a free, they're the same. <laughs> they are the same. You press one button for radio. You press one button for sat nav. You press one button for phone. No, you have a layout, if you, you want have a radio to media, there's all those strip of buttons. There's four buttons. Too many. I mean, there's Ferrari one. There's about ten buttons on that stupid thing, and then you have to flick across. And I mean, it's a disaster. Uh, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> no points are awarded in this game. <laughs> you still lead two one. <laughs> now we come on to the most important thing. Speed. <laughs> Performance. So, just as my point, these are these were the two stats that I sent across to Tony to prove that the Pista was faster. Firstly, of course, the ultimate test of all, Top Gear test track lap times. Ferrari 488 Pista, number two which is not of a test all track. time. Which is, not, this, which is not a hey, racetrack. It's not a racetrack. This is it's, how most of the public judged the cars. Most one of the public haven't even been in these cars. <sighs> one minute, 12.7 for AP Pista. Number two overall. Number five. Five on the list. 992 GT2 RS. Were they, no, the they done on the same day, mate? Yep. One thirteen point. I don't know. What, I don't know what takes they were done. So it's not one thirteen point four. Nearly a second slower. Okay. It's not a fair comparison. Same driver, same track. How do you know it's the same drivers? There's lots of different the stick. Sticks. No, it's no, the st- mate, no, there's more than one. The stick's one person. No. <laughs> so that was my first piece. It's of not a fair comparison. F- fact. Okay. On paper here. Piece <laughs> is quicker. Second thing I sent you. Now, this is very interesting. Forgive us, because there's a little bit of information to get through here. And I'll see if anyone else picks up on this whilst I do. Anglesey Circuit, a circuit that you like. Very good. Very good. Very accurate for testing cars. 48 Pista, 110.8, 2 RS, 112, over a second slower. Where's that information from? This is from actual test track it's lap time, it? no, no, it's yeah, lap time. It's from Evo. It's from Evo. Thank you. So again, different days, different conditions, probably different drivers. Stop making excuses. No, Manicor in France. Manicor in France. Four eight pista. One forty four point nine. Two RS. One forty seven. These are these these are not fair comparisons. Proof again, again <laughs> quicker. Moving on. Um, oh no, I don't. I don't want to read that one because the two RS one. Hockenheim GP circuit. Ferrari 48 Pista, 145.9, 2RS, 149.1. Nearly four seconds slower, mate. That's probably Read it, it and wait. wait. It's probably a wet time. What do you think the NCM Motorsport Park is? I'm not, I don't care. Well, you should care because the 2RS was quicker there. 124.2 compared to the Pista at 127.3. But it was probably raining when the Pista did it, so let's ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are flawed arguments. Auto car dry handling. Pista, 105.3. 2RS, 107.8. Slower again, my friend. Varano. This one, the 2RS one, but by a smidgen. 
108.2 compared to Pista 109.4. Top Gear Test Track, we've just done. Auto Car Wet Handling. So this is on a wet session. 2RS trounced the Pista, but of course, four-wheel drive. It's rear-wheel drive. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I mean, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Do you know why the Porsches are always faster in the wet? Let's Because where that. the engine is. Let's they get all the power down because they're let's better. Let's skip the fact that I talked about the four-wheel drive TRS, which obviously has never been made. Moving on briefly, Sam. I might edit, I might edit the that boot's out. Small, the boot's smaller because it's four-wheel drive. Oh, yeah. Why did I think the TRS was four-wheel drive? That's really bad. That's awful. I genuinely thought the TRS was four-wheel drive. <laughs> I should just retire now and go home, shouldn't I? But I do feel like it's got something in the front gear, front... Isn't the two? I'm going to Google that. No, there is something about the two hours having a smaller front boot. That is, it's got something in there which makes it smaller. Okay, definitely does. It's not four wheel drive. It's definitely not four wheel drive. I mean, I didn't pick up on that the first time I said it. God, I wish you hadn't. Oh, thank God. Well, thank God you picked up on it now because other people would have. And I really would have had to quit this podcast. Sorry, everyone. It's been a while. Um, Nurburgring Nordschleife. Fine, 2RS trounces it, 6 minutes 47 compared to 7 minutes. Now, has anyone else picked up on something which I didn't pick up on when I sent this to Tony as my proof for the Pista being faster? Have you picked up on anything? No. They're even Stevens. <laughs> when you go through it, it's like five apiece. There's nothing in it. Like, it's five apiece, so it's five all. Okay. So this was my like, ah, yeah, Pista's so much faster. Actually, they're pretty even. Uh, they will be pretty even, and I've seen them and been in driven them both on track and they are pretty even for one or two laps. Yeah. But because of the way the Porsche is engineered, mm-hmm. if you went out in them for 20 minutes, the Porsche would eat, would be would have gone down the road, mate. Right. Because the Ferrari suffers from terrible understeer and also terrible brake fade. Ask any pistol owner that's been on track. I mean, they just go straight, mate. Porsche doesn't have that because it's engineered properly because of his motorsport. Really? Honestly, mate. Honestly, from what I've seen, on, and I've seen it with my own eyes, even ask Holly Webb what, what he thinks. <laughs> even ask Holly uh, Webb. I mean, he's not the even old- a racer, <laughs> he's an Instagrammer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but he's driven he both back. About, to, yeah. he, and he's driven them both back to back, and he will say that the two RS is a better car. It just is. The thing is, I haven't driven both back to back, and I definitely haven't driven both on track. It surprises me slightly that you're saying there's brake fade on the pista? Because not straight away. Fine. But one thing which I think often gets applauded are the, are the brakes, the carbons on Ferraris. So it does surprise me slightly, but fine. Um, the thing that I'm just doing, because I've been researching it, the thing in the G- GT2 RS front boot that I was thinking of, I'm trying to work out what it is. There's like a black box with, with a few, is it oil? There's something in there. Look, I'm going to show you a picture if I can turn my laptop around. You'll know what I mean when I show it to you. And I knew there was something in there. Look, that black strut on the front, on the right there, on the picture on the right, on the picture on the right, on the right, the big picture on the right. Yeah, look at the bottom. No, the, oh, yeah, you see what oh, I mean? That's for the, um, that's uh, like a strut, like a, a, a like a, for handling. Because it's, it's, it's heavier. Than the so it probably keeps the weight the weight the front down probably keeps the front down. Yeah. Someone the, tell us. Someone says there's something. Porsche. Oh, refilling the tank which is mounted in the front trunk. Is well, it something to do with the in the, keeping the 
keeping it cool with the turbo, like the injection. Yeah, something thing. like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. There we go. The water injection or something. The water, yeah, the water sprayed system. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it does run dry, the engine management system, blah, blah, refilling the tank, which is mounted in the trunk. There we go. I knew there was something in the trunk of the GT4 S making it smaller. But they've also done that for weight as well, by the way, because it keeps the front of the car down. Of course. Okay, fine. I admit, it's not a four wheel drive system, and that still really embarrassing that I thought the 2RS was four-wheel drive but I wasn't there was, okay so I the boot is bigger on the pista but the, what Thank you, you can actually get in space you'd get more luggage in a in a 2RS than you would in a pista because you've got the back although it's a pain in the nose to get it in and out you have got more more room so long story short I've won I think you have <laughs> By one point. Okay, fair. By one point, which, you they know... They are it, close, it, Which is fair. value. And they are close. And the thing was, I unfortunately have to concede that the overall, I think the 2RS won, because we did run a poll on Twitter after having our argument, and I was shocked by the fact that most people went for 2RS. Even Chris Harris agreed with you. Um, and he hates me. He... <laughs> Mate, I hate you. So I'm, <laughs> I'm totally on his side in most things, if I'm honest. Um, so, so, yes, I think... Uh, I will concede that most most people think the 2RS is better. But in my mind, I would pick the Pista every time. But that's your personal opinion. Of course. And that's fair. Fine. That's fair. fair. But I, I would I would pick the Porsche because of my Pacifics for having a car. And so the you can drive on track because you're a racing driver. No, well, I'm far from that. <laughs> but but yes, it, it fits my requirements of what okay. I want. Well, look, that brings an end to today's episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. It's been good to be back, back in the same room, back recording these for regular sure. weekly episodes. We are still sort of figuring out our new schedules, our post-COVID lockdown schedules, um, as when we can record and pump episodes out, but we're hoping to do it on a weekly basis. Please do let us know, as I say, about that Patreon, uh, what you would want back if you were donating money to the podcast each week, what you would want. Would you want to be able to dial in? Would you want merchandise? Would you want uh, Instagram DM chats? Whatever it could be, just submit your ideas, your suggestions. We'd just like to know if, if not, we will keep doing this for as long as it takes before it starts making us money yeah, yeah. Um, because we enjoy it we have a good time So we don't do it for the money we're not doing it for the money we're not but no. it would just be nice if there was some. <laughs> it's always be nice if there was some but yeah we, we do it because we like it right exactly it's, it's, it's probably the bit of content I like producing the most and we're giving a bit back well, it's not a lot, but no. so <laughs> we, we seem to Sam forget, thought the GT Taurus was four-wheel drive. <laughs> we never claim to be a knowledgeable podcast. <laughs> well, you don't. Just an entertaining one, hopefully. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yes, if you have enjoyed the video, give it a thumbs up. Make sure you stay subscribed if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening to us, make sure to keep following on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. Catch up with you soon. Bye-bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.